Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello coders, today we're going to be talking about teaching and training in web development. Now you're probably thinking, why am I doing a video on teaching and training when this podcast and this YouTube channel is all about code and web development? Well, in fact, teaching and training is actually extremely important. It's extremely important to convey and communicate in the most effective way possible. And we're going to be talking to Olivia Liddell. She joins me today. Hi, Olivia. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. No worries. No worries. Now, we actually met each other at Sunshine PHP um, a couple of weeks ago, and that was in Miami. We actually spent some some decent time talking together before the actual conference at the speaker dinner, and that was fantastic to just pick your brains and learn what you were doing uh, in your, your teaching world. It was fantastic. <laughs> I just absorbed all of that knowledge. It's great. Oh, thank you. So we're going to be talking about that, and we're also going to be talking about... Um, the things you teach and how you teach them, how you communicate and all that stuff. Um, so first of all, Cloud Bakers, that's where you work. Can you yes. talk, talk a little bit about that and, and what is it that you do there? Yeah, so I'm a cloud training specialist at Cloud Bakers here in Chicago. We're a cloud migration company and we partner with a lot of different customers who are looking to move their organization into a different cloud platform, right. most often Google G Suite. So I, as a trainer and someone who works in change management, I'm tasked with figuring out exactly how this kind of technology shift is going to impact end users so that if they're doing a certain workflow in their current environment, we need to figure out how are they going to be um, adjusted when they're working in the Google environment and just thinking about how change can be easy for some people and not as easy for others. Like really listening to people, hearing what their concerns and, and questions are, and then shaping the training that yeah. I provide to them to ensure that they're feeling confident and comfortable and, and ready to learn some new things. Awesome. Awesome. That, I mean, that, that you, you obviously work a lot with technology and people. And yes. that, 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 that is, that is such an interesting skill to have. Um, how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been here at Cloudbakers for uh, this June is going to be a year. It went by so quickly. Uh, year, <laughs> Before right. this, I, yeah. I, I worked in higher education, also doing some technology training. So uh, training online graduate students mm. how to use the iPads that they were given as part of their um, master's degree program. And also training um, faculty as far as which kinds of technology tools they may want to use in their online coursework. So a lot of it, like you're saying, it's this co combination of the people and the technology mm. and hearing people out to understand what are they looking to do, what yeah. kinds of problems are they looking to solve, and then based on what I know about technology, what can I provide to them to help them address that problem in need. Awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So, I mean, that my head is now moving into various different <laughs> spaces uh, with that. Let's just break that down. You're in Chicago. That's where Cloud Bakers is, right? That's that's correct. Mm -hmm. And you, your technology that you teach is the G Suite. Yes, is that mm -hmm. is that correct? So, are you moving people 
from different services to G Suite. You're migrating them to that G Suite platform. Mm-hmm. There must yep. there must be people that you you uh, you do that with that are what's the right term? They are <laughs> they're kind of stuck in their own way mindset. It's worked for them as they like it. It's probably not the right way, maybe. Um, and it's your job to change their whole thinking about about it and move them off of it and progress them onto G Suite. How do you deal with those kind of people? <laughs> uh, a lot of patience. And right. I think part of it is really initially recognizing and acknowledging that a change is coming. Because sometimes what you see that can go wrong with change management is when, like if an organization knows that their end users may be reluctant about the change, Uh they may try to sweep it under the rug and wait until the very last minute to say, oh, and by the way, we're going to to G Suite tomorrow. So uh, yay, that's not the way to do it. (laughs) A lot of it is more getting ahead of it. And especially if you see that there are certain users or certain departments or part of the population who may be more reluctant about Mm -hmm. the transition, Mm -hmm. bring them into the fold earlier on Mm -hmm. to help them feel valued. So for example, um, oftentimes if we have people who work in an accounting department and they are very deep into Microsoft Excel, now they're switching into uh, Google Sheets, they may be concerned about not being able to do everything that they could currently do in Excel Mm. or just uh, trying to understand how that workflow is going to change. So what I would do in that kind of situation is hear them out and say, Thank you for expressing your concerns. Thank yeah. you for caring enough about your the work that you do mm-hmm. to, to make us aware that this is something that we need to look closer into. Mm. And then sitting down with them and helping the customer sit down with their users to, to draw out the specific questions. Because it's a difference between someone saying, I don't like this change. I don't want to change in mm. the story. Mm. And someone who can be more specific to say, I'm, I'm concerned about this change because right. currently in Excel, I use th- this particular workflow. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to do when I'm filtering. And then the more information that people can give you, you know, there may be sometimes when you can't uh, promise that everything's going to be exactly as is. But yeah. when you get more information, it does make it easier to say, all right, we're working together right. as opposed to working against each other. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. Yeah. Working together instead of against each other and getting ahead of the game. So I, I just yeah. want, want to sort of, um, scale it down to perhaps a a level that I have experience with on a day-to-day basis um, where, you know, as a freelancer, I go in and perhaps I build a new system, content management system, something uh, that I have to not only sort of teach the programmers and the developers about the code that I've written, but I also have to teach the users of the system, of how they're going to do it. Sometimes I'm replacing a system that is like decades old and (laughs) they're used to it. It works. It's like an old sofa. They know where all the nooks and crannies are. Um, And I come along and we we spend, say, I don't know, um, a good few weeks um, talking to the, to the, to the product manager about what they want. I go away and then develop it. I then come back and I release it to the whole team. The whole team perhaps haven't been involved in all of those bits and pieces. And actually, uh, I haven't got in front of it fast enough. And so that's where all the pushback I find can come from is when you haven't had that ability of sharing. So I 
totally understand, totally get where you're coming from with the whole trying to work with them instead of against them. That is, yeah, my mind is blown. You've blown my mind again. <laughs> oh, there's more too. <laughs> because One of the things that I've learned during my time here at Cloudbakers is that, I mean, I get really excited about so many things in G Suite, like all the, uh, especially some of the features that rely on machine learning and artificial intelligence mm. and that, that make things so much more streamlined. Mm. But then as a trainer, what I've, I've learned is that just, be so, just because something is really cool and fascinating to me mm. doesn't mean that that is the most important thing for an end user to care about. Yeah. And mm. if I come in just saying, hey, yeah. did you know you can do all these great yeah. things in G Suite? Like okay, but that I don't care about that. Right. Whereas if you uh, we we do a lot of assessment surveys and uh, discovery surveys to ask people what they are concerned about, what they're excited about with the transition, mm-hmm. and if we see some common trends where people are saying they are looking forward to what they've heard about the collaboration that's available within G Suite, that's when I know that I need to pivot towards talking about like. Uh, how you can share documents and have multiple editors in a document at the same time, how you can assign comments and tasks at the same time. And really, once I know what people are drawn to, it's almost like being, uh, I'm trying to make a metaphor based off of the couch, because I know the the kind of couch thing you're talking about. It's like saying, this is a new couch, and it's an amazing couch because it's geared towards the, the way that you want to sit on it and what you want to do with it. Yeah. And bad yeah. metaphor, but you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, I think engaging with those who um, who are likely to push back, they are comfortable in where they are at the moment. They're afraid of change. Um, I, talking from my experience, I've been in meetings where key people haven't been involved because of the attitude that they would bring to the table. The attitude is going to be there regardless of whether they're, you know, at the table or when they get the product, right? But it's easier to address it earlier on and change their sort of their understanding, their comfort zone, if you will, in a sort of a, a, a back and forth communication kind of way, rather than one day it's this product and then the next day it's a completely different product. I've had that before and it's sort of like it wasn't handled in the best way, probably from my point of view, because I didn't sniff out and detect the people who actually needed to know the information straight off the bat. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the, the G Suite. So is that, I mean, from my point of view is that just google and and google docs or is there any is what what else is involved in involved in uh, g suite yeah it's the whole uh, range of applications and and each customer is different some will have primarily gmail for mail google calendar google contacts and then there's also all the other things you mentioned like google drive doc sheets slides also google forms i love um, using google forms and trainings to to help people see that there's you can use it for data collection and Uh data analysis but then even for people who like if you go in saying data collection (laughs) uh, many people who are like i don't like spreadsheets Mm. they're turned Mm. off but uh, one of my favorite stories that i love to tell is when i'm doing a a training at a in a city that i've never been to before Mm. and i'm showing people how you can use a google form to get uh, answers and to compile that data my sample question will be where should I get some food while I'm here in town? Because right. it, it helps people to see that forms and data can be fun. Ooh. And it also helps me get recommendations for where to go when I'm finished training. So it's a 
win-win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what you've just said then, uh, it reminds me of something that you – I, I, I to, for the audience, I saw you do a fantastic, oh. fantastic, awesome oh. keynote. It was amazing. Uh, Thank you. It was amazing. I think in the video after when I did the, the the review, I said that I wanted to go home and do some tutorials because you just got me in that sort of you hit me in the feels with with everything, <laughs> and, and you just made a point there um, about uh, relating the 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 coming up with some sort of thing that the user can relate to. And you said that mm -hmm. in your talk um, yeah. about sort of ch coming up with a solution that the user can understand from, it doesn't necessarily need to be the boring, it's data collection, but oh, it, no. it's, it's like, you know, w what are their general interests? I think that was a point you made. What are the general interests? Yeah. Can you map that to, to a general interest. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's so, so awesome. I love that. I love sort of like getting your head down into their mind space or up to their mind space and, um, making everything nice and relatable. And I, I thought the execution of that talk was fantastic. So yeah, Thank you. hats off to you. So do <laughs> check, I'll put the links to slides and all sorts, uh, in the show notes. So let, let's move uh, move on from, well, let's move into the background. So we've talked about mm -hmm. where you, you currently are, but you've also got a background in teaching children, right? I do, yes. You do, you do. <laughs> um, so can you talk about your previous experience with teaching children? What was it that you were teaching? Yeah, so I um, taught for a few years in Chicago public schools. My first year I was teaching third graders, so like eight to nine-year-olds, little cute and cuddly little yeah. kids. I was teaching them in what's considered a, a self-contained environment, so mm. all subjects, reading, writing, math, science, social studies. Mm. And then for a couple years after that, I taught middle school Arabic, so um, fifth to eighth grade, and that was that so awesome. fun. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. And what um, I really learned from that was just, uh, I mean, I'd, I've always been surrounded by education in some regard. Mm. My mother was a teacher in D.C. public schools where mm. I, I grew up for about 30, 35 years, I think. And uh, that was my first kind of on the on the job training when I was going into her classroom and seeing her presence and just seeing how her students responded to the way she was teaching them. And I, I really love teaching in Chicago public schools. The, the students just have a certain love and desire of learning. And when you see that aha moment happen, mm. when you see a, a child make a connection mm. to something, and um, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories really quickly. Mm. In the, the, the Arabic class that I taught, um, are you familiar with the Arabian Nights or the, the sometimes called the Thousand and One Nights? No. It's this... Uh, um, it's the story that has a tradition where you uh, you start the, the story mm. and then the, the story cuts off at the very end. The idea being that the next night it picks up from there and continues on. Okay. And just when you think you get to the really good stuff, it cuts off again and it goes on and on for a thousand and one nights. Okay. And, right. So as I was teaching, yeah, uh, yeah, at the end of each of my classes, I would tell the students that story mm. and follow the tradition of cutting it off at the very end. And at first, the, the kids were like, okay, this is weird. What is going on? But as the story got better, they started to become very invested in it and want to know more about it. And I'll never forget this one student who he flat out screamed at me at yeah. the end of class one day. He's like, 
Miss Liddell, I am so mad at you. You stopped telling that story. You know what I'm going to do? And I look at him like, okay, yeah, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go home and research it and look it up and, and I'm going to find out what happened. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, I just got this kid to do some research. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Who's winning now? We're both winning. Okay. So it just, things like that where you, um, again, make connections with, with, with people and in this case, with, with students, uh, uh, with children of that age, they're very in, involved with, with storytelling. Mm. And, uh, and you, you look at uh, storytelling as being something that they're mm. exposed to with comics, with, um, with the, the shows that they watch, with, mm. with video games, with mm. social media. In this case, I was able to use that as a way to really draw them into what we were learning in the classroom yeah. and knowing that when it was story time, they were all so focused and, and just wanting to learn more. That is so, so good. Yeah. Stories. It's all about stories and how, how that story can relate to that person's circumstance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I guess that's, that's the same for both children and adult, adults. Obviously the stories are different. Um, stories when you're an adult could be more experience based. So like, and ex- thinking of an experience that that person has had as perhaps an analogy, if they were perhaps um, they went out fishing one day um, and it was raining and you made some sort of analogy about raining and boats and all of that stuff, or not, not being prepared or something like that. Whereas with a child, you have the story books themselves and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more fantasy perhaps. Um, yeah. I'm really digging that. Really, really digging that. Um, is there, what is the um, uh, what have you learned from teaching children that you have applied to teaching adults? You know, the one of the main things that I've learned is the need to be approachable as a right. teacher, because in in a classroom context with students, you you can be a teacher and you may have about 30, 35 students there. And you, you have the content that you're teaching them during the day mm. and they go home and they have homework. And at some point, there's going to be a time when they do not understand something. Now, if you present yourself as a teacher who feels like you know everything, you're the expert, you're on a pedestal above everyone, and you would be disappointed if any of your students don't get anything perfectly correct, you know, mm. all of those things then the students aren't going to want to come to you when they need help with something. Sure. So what, what I learned from teaching children was that you, you have to be genuine and care for them and show that you care and really be, be true when you say, if you need something from me, mm. I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, being the one to make that first move mm. and say like, hey, I, I noticed that with uh, this part of your homework, you were so close. There is one part you almost got right. Uh, do you want me to show you what this looks like so that they can see that you're looking out for them in that regard? And mm. that really has carried over to the work that I do now at Cloud Bakers because when we have end users who are learning something new within G Suite and they are struggling with a, a process whether that is something incredibly complex or even trying to figure out some of the more general email settings, if they find themselves getting stuck and they don't reach out for help, then that one issue can snowball into something bigger. Then that snowballs into them having a very negative outlook about the the experience. And so to get ahead of that Mm. in trainings and email communications, I really position myself as someone to, to say, I'm here for you. I, I care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there, there are no dumb questions. Mm. And I'll even say, 
I don't even know everything myself. I always love it when someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to because I can then show them how I would look for that answer. Or I'll, I'll say like in the training last week, somebody asked me this question mm-hmm. and here's what I learned from that. So making yourself approachable and also human so that they don't see me as like a cyborg or something. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really true. Not being a cyborg. And I, I just want to take that to a point where, um, so as, as a coder, we write code. There's a lot of times where we uh, refactor code, we change code, we change the foundations of code. If you're working in a team of people, of coders, and you do something quite drastic, you have to bring everybody on board. And a large portion of time when you have the code churn going on where everything is changing and evolving, um, there is going to be a lot of pain amongst the team when things aren't right and Mm -hmm. it's the small things like you just mentioned the small little things you know not getting the configuration right or having that documented or not being being the developer who's done that change and not being approachable to ask questions as to why that's changed and how to update and fix and do all sorts and run scripts and all of that stuff that all matters and also when you're a junior developer and you're coming on and you've got to learn all of the documentation, you have to learn how you do various things, download the database, all of that stuff. Um, the people who you are working with also need to be incredibly approachable. You go into that, that industry knowing completely nothing about that company and you're, you know, you're totally green and you have to be taught how to set up your local environment. I remember when I was a junior dev and that was terrifying. That was absolutely terrifying. And the it was made easier by the people who were able to uh, relate to me and they were incredibly approachable. They all went through the same thing, right? And mm-hmm. but but you you as a junior developer were so scared because it was like, it was new stuff, new stuff that you just didn't know. You were terrified of breaking anything. Um, and you, yeah, it was just completely fresh territory. So I totally get what you're saying about being approachable. Approachable is something that is, is so important, um, to not only sort of discuss how something has changed, but why something has changed as well. And I guess that's, that's something that you need to talk about when you're moving from one um, uh, sort of G Suite component to another or sort of migrating a user from one sort of webmail thing to Gmail or something. It's a massive change. Not only are you having to explain what has changed, but why it's changed. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where you really have to make that personal connection with them Mm. and and help them to see that this isn't some generic training. This is something that we've really designed and developed to address their particular needs. And I feel that when when people get that, when they see it's genuine, they buy buy into it a lot more. One thing that I do, uh, and, and so just this week even, I had three days of webinar trainings I was doing with one of our customers. Mm. There are a total of five trainings across the past three days for yep. Gmail and Google Calendar. And at the end of every training, we send out uh, an assessment survey. One of those questions is, is there anything else that you want to learn more about? Mm-hmm. And some people will look at that and think, oh, this is a survey. No one's ever going to read it. Mm. As a trainer, I make sure it's a dedicated 
time at the end of every single session mm. to be very clear and say, I, I pull it up on the screen and yes. show this is the train, this is the assessment survey, this is one of the most important questions. Mm -hmm. I look at these every day, and if there's something that a lot of people are wondering, I'm going to address that in the next training. And then, you know, it carries over to the next and the next. And I always love when I'm able to prove that in the next training. Yeah. So not just say, yeah. I'm looking at the survey results, but I'll start the next session and say, hey, uh, thank you all so much for taking the time to fill out the, the survey at the end. One of the common questions that people had mm. were relating to how to create personal Google contact groups. Mm. Let's take mm. some time right now to dive into that a little bit more. Mm. And then th there's that, that, that moment where you're, it's your credibility that's on the line there. Mm. And, you know, and, and helping people to see that I really did follow through on what I said I was going to do. And then beyond that point, when they have additional questions, they're going to be that much more likely to want to ask, to want to speak up, mm. knowing that those questions will be answered. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how many people um, do you train on average, you know, when you go into a group? What's the typical size? Yeah, it can vary so much. Anywhere from a single person all the way up to about a hundred or so. Whoa. So it, uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> it can get That's pretty big. Big numbers. It, yeah. yeah, and it can be in person. Like if I go to visit a, a company and be uh -huh. there training in one of their conference rooms, or uh, like I'm here in Chicago right now, we will use like a, a webinar format to okay. conduct it that way. Okay. So e even with the webinar format, I try to make it as engaging and interactive as possible. I, I'm, I'm just myself during these trainings. I crack jokes. I make puns that mm. people are probably like, oh, goodness, what is this woman doing? But it's, I think it helps them to come to, to see that yeah. this is who I am and I'm having fun with it while also making sure to address the very technical content that we're covering as far as it relates to their workflow. Mm -hmm. uh, so it can vary a lot. We, um, I also think, too, one of the, the parts I mentioned in my keynote talk at Sunshine PHP is really focusing on empathy and mm. in terms of oh, yeah. where people are coming from. And something I mentioned in the talk is I need to know literally where people are coming from. So yeah. if I'm doing a training session first thing in the morning, sometimes people might not have had their coffee. Mm. They might be a little cranky mm. if yeah. it was a pretty rough commute. So when I ask a, a crowd of people, mm. how are y'all doing today? Mm. I, I'm really using that as mm. a way to not just make conversation, but I'm trying to pick up on any kind of subtle cues. Like if someone seems at all cranky yep. or upset, yep. there's probably a reason for it. Yep. And I need to be able to pivot accordingly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that that is such a good point with being, be, being able to communicate in, in such a, uh, an easygoing manner. Um, empathy is really important. And I go back to the point that I was making about the being a junior developer. You, yeah. You, you, you need to empathize that the junior developer who's just come on the team is completely fresh. And so they're probably not going to just have one question, but they're going to have a ton of questions. Um, and it's sort of reassuring, isn't it? It's all, it's all about reassurance. You're mm -hmm. reassuring that the, you're you're showing the person who's asking the question that it's okay to ask that question it's it's fine we can we can talk about it and we can talk about other questions too it's a comfortable uh, setting it's 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 fine it's, it's, and you're you're empathizing with perhaps what they did before they got into this room or this conversation um, you did a, a great part in your talk about um, the different types of of 
of ways we communicate. So passive, assertive, and aggressive, and altering the moods of people based on your response to, to their request. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I did. I mean, oh, thank you. that's, um, you, you mentioned a couple of books, and I, I will definitely get those and check them <laughs> out myself. Um, because it's, it's something that, that you just, I think you take, I personally take for granted the different moods someone's in. Um, and, uh, it, it did, it did change my way of thinking when I approached conversations after that talk, because you kind of, you were assessing, you were assessing how that person is yep. more than, than perhaps you would. And then you're assessing how you respond. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, yeah. It, it's like signal transmission is the way I like to describe yeah. it. That yeah. when you're in any kind of communication context, whether it's being in a training like I am, or if you are someone who's working with a junior developer, mm. you who may be anywhere from excited, nervous, anxious, mm. hungry, yeah. uh, all of those yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. people don't know where food is. So that, yeah. that's really important, like survival skills there. Yeah. But, I, I, but they may be afraid to speak up because they feel that they should know these things. Mm. by now but um, part of it is looking at the signals that someone is transmitting to you and being able to interpret those and ensure that the way you're communicating back to them is in a line with that signal yeah. and it's yeah it's and when I explain this to people I always try to do it with the caveat of making them uh, not feel that they're overthinking it because the last thing I want is for someone to feel stuck like they are thinking about so many things that they don't even know how to communicate back I look at it as more of um, less overthinking but more of strategically thinking about a communication context right. so um, and it, it helps me so much because if I were to look at communication as a one-size-fits-all approach, mm-hmm. that's not fair to the people that are communicating with mm-hmm. me. And when I'm working with more junior members of the team, I really need to put myself in their shoes and first remind myself of what it was like to be the, 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 the newest person mm-hmm. on the team, someone mm-hmm. who may not have as much experience, mm-hmm. and to reassure them that, like to, to, to your point, it's okay to ask these questions. Because you know what? At some point in the future, they're going to be the senior member of the team and how we lay that foundation for them now is yeah. going to do so much to shape how they will then coach others at, at that point in the future. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, there is, I mean, I spoke to um, various people recently about soft skills and having the ability to communicate and the ability to interact in a, in, in a, a manner that is very approachable. It, it, it sort of is confident um, all of these things are extremely important. And unfortunately, all of these things, I don't think get taught enough, um, no. <laughs> especially in this programming world. Um, w- w- we get trained to program and we don't train to communicate. And then communication is so important. I mean, we are building systems for human beings. So we need to mm-hmm. communicate to those human beings how to use a system. We don't, we don't write computer systems for computers we write computer systems for humans. Um, and I think that a lot of us forget that. Um, so talking about the technology though, um, how do you think the technology has changed um, since, I don't know, when you started teaching? It, it has. We're doing this through Skype. We, we attempted to do this through Hangouts. You talked about webinars. Has that changed the teaching landscape um, in, in any kind of way? 
It has. And in my previous role before I joined Cloud Bakers, the position I was telling you about where I was a learning technologist at a company called Wiley, we were um, partnering with different colleges and universities to help them shape their online uh, degree programs. And often I would be working with faculty members who were teaching in an on-ground modality, so mm. a traditional classroom face-to-face. Mm. And then they were looking to also bring that into the, the online learning space. Okay. So let's say you have a business course. Mm. And in this business course, part of the traditional curriculum is to have students work in a group of three and mm-hmm. put together mm-hmm. a business proposal and have regular meetings and do case studies and then give a presentation to the whole class at the end of the semester. Okay. If you think about how that works in a traditional on-ground classroom environment, people see each other in class every mm-hmm. week. They're able to, to leave class and go to a coffee shop and have their discussions there. They're able to give that presentation by getting up in front of the, the classroom. Mm-hmm. So now think about how do you do all of those same things in an online classroom? Mm. And mm. which tools do you need to use? Which um, learning outcomes are you trying to address? And one of the approaches that I always take, and this comes from my background as a teacher, mm. the approach of backward design, right. starting with your end goal in mind, figuring out what those ultimate outcomes are, and then working backwards to identify how you're going to get there. Because with with educational technology in particular, there are so many new tools that are coming out there, and you often will have teachers and professors who will say, hey, I've heard everyone's using this new tool. I want to use it too, so let's put it into my classroom, put it mm. into my syllabus. Mm. But the tool that, they, that they're talking about is not necessarily the best one that should be used for the, the kind of educational outcome that they're looking to get. Right. So this is where a lot of that conversation and, and, and consulting comes into play mm. to, uh, to sometimes um, even uh, it surprises people when the answer that I may give is one to say, like, look, what you're describing is a very non-technical thing. You don't need to always throw more tech at something in order to have uh, students, in this case, mm. get the, the ultimate outcome that they're looking for. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you think that in the future technology is going to hinder or improve teaching? Is it, is it something that, um, I mean, for, for example, for example, I, I was listening to a webcast uh, recently and there was people interacting, but the, the webcast had something like 30 people in it. So you couldn't really interact very well. Um, mm. Like the, the microphones were all over the place. Everybody was everywhere. And, and it was, you, you mentioned about signals and, and having, being, being able to identify the signals uh, of how someone is communicating. I just felt when I was listening to that, the signals were just being lost. And the mm. person who was doing the webcast was in complete control over the whole set of communication. It was a one-way street. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think, do you think that technology uh, hinders growth of, of, of teaching or, or do you think that it's actually going to make it better? That's a really good question. And I feel that it can be a little bit of both. Like on the one hand, thinking about online learning, for example, Mm. it's made it so that now you have 
learners, especially adult learners who are able to go back to school when that may not have been an option for them a decade ago, they can um, get a degree, they can do this on their own time. And so in that mm. regard, it's made it a mm. lot better for them. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, when you think about sometimes the depersonalization of this, that there's so many of these signals and cues that we pick up because mm. we have this in-person connection. Mm. And uh, I, it's it can be difficult at times when you're communicating through only written forms of, of, of text. Mm-hmm. So if you have an online discussion board, and you're using that as a way to communicate with someone, uh, you know, sometimes sarcasm doesn't carry well in, in text and it's yeah, uh, yeah. tone not always carry exactly. well in text. Yeah, and you, you lose and the context. Then, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then as a, as someone who's working with technology, who's trying to like use a technology tool and also try to use it to accomplish a certain educational outcome, then you're having to spend a certain amount of time deciphering what people are saying and then that can feel frustrating when you're just trying to get something done so mm. I, I i tend to feel that it, it's a little bit of both that i love what technology is bringing to people to to make education so much more accessible and in the hands of people who need it even looking at children who are able to mm. learn things like coding a mm. lot earlier and mm. when in so many other ways i mean i learned how to code when i was building web pages on aol just because yeah. I, I was <laughs> It's like 11 years old and like hacking people wow. and, and, and things like that too. But now it, it's, it, there's a lot more entry points out there. So I, I hope that as technology continues to evolve in, in regards to educational opportunities, that we can still try to hold on to as many of these, um, the personal touch as we can. And I, I think that's, that's why, like I was saying with my trainings that I do, mm-hmm. that I'm so mm-hmm. genuinely myself yeah. because I want people to feel that, even um, like tomorrow, I, I'm doing a, a virtual training for uh, a group of people who are in England. So yeah. uh, it's <laughs> shout <laughs> it's out really to the that. UK massive. <laughs> cheers to that! <laughs> yeah, so, cheers to that. You know, <laughs> so even though I'm all the way across an ocean, I want <laughs> them to feel that they're connected with me, that I'm right there with them. So mm, that's, mm. you know, well, that because that connection really matters. It does. Yeah, it's the human human touch, human connection. Mm. Yeah. Well, listen, um, is there, is there anything you would like to, to discuss further, anything you want to add, any social media links or anything else that you wish to promote? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Oli Ravi. Um, we talked about this. It's um, yeah. it's like ravioli, but flipped around. Uh, fun fact, I have never eaten ravioli you in my life. Yet. You haven't yet. Gosh. Right. Yeah. I've got, my friends that. are trying to get me on this and they're like, just eat some ravioli already. But <laughs> it, the opportunity just has not presented itself. What can I say? Uh. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on Oli Ravi. I like to tweet things about everything we're talking about. Uh. Um, training, mentoring, security awareness. Yeah. Um, all those types of things. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Olivia. That was, that's a very fan, fan, I can't talk now. Fascinating, <laughs> fascinating topic, um, topics that we've been discussing. Um, thank you ever so much guys for watching on the YouTubes and also listening on the podcasts. Happy coding everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs>